Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Cloud9 Podcast. I'm here with my uh, my guest today, Sangram Vadre. Did I pronounce it right? You got it, man. Well, that's like super good. I, I went quick because he was preparing me real fast and I said, let's get this going. I will forget how to pronounce it in 30 seconds. I have a short-term memory. Yeah, we, we all do, man. We all do. So I'm glad you did that. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I love this conversation because I think I, I feel like in a way – there was some account-based marketing and sales involved and always in this, kind of, in this conversation. I knew who you were. I knew who Tom, uh, Terminus was. I was always trying to meet you. Um, you know, I love, I love a lot of the stuff you're putting out there. And uh, I think we finally got to shake hands, I think, last year in, uh, in Drift's um, conference, Hypergrowth. And, and yeah. I kind of left it off like, hey, well, we'll have a talk in the future, right? We'll, we'll converse. Um, I think I also reached out to you in Inbound. And, and I think you were, you were putting me in touch with somebody. Um, but Long and behold, I think it was a uh, a comment on LinkedIn about leads, right? And and salespeople following up that I kind of chimed in, had some comments. I said, let's have a conversation about this and talk about uh, talk about how we can help leaders push the needle a little bit more. And I think that's something you've been doing for a very long time, right? I think you've been at. Tell us a little bit about your your background. You've been in sales for you've been you've been quite a few places, right? Yeah, quite a few places. Uh, been kicked out quite a few times uh, here and there. So kicked we'll, out with the door. The door was open to come back in. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they would keep it open. Uh, but I think most recently I ran marketing at Pardot, and then we got acquired by Exact Target. And within six months, Exact Target got acquired by Salesforce uh, for about two point five billion dollars. And that was like us going from this hundred people small candy shop company, Pardot, to this iconic brand called Salesforce, uh, it was quite an experience, quite a journey. So I spent a couple of years at Salesforce purely just because I wanted to learn what, how the Salesforce engine works. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's just so many, we can just talk about that for as, for as long as we want to because there's just so much incredibleness, awesomeness. And I learned a lot about what does it mean to scale? Like what, what does a Salesforce scale mean? Um, so, so we can chat about that in a second. And then, I left, uh, left Salesforce and started Terminus uh, with two of my co-founders with this whole idea that, that honestly was an experience I had at, at, at Salesforce, which was we had like a record number of leads in a month and uh, we were celebrating. Our marketing team was like, hey, high five, we crushed all records there are in the books. And, and our sales leader came back and said, hey, that's awesome what you guys did. Can you generate a thousand more leads next wow. month? Yeah, put the number up higher. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I just sank in my seat. I was like, is, is this what my life has ended up becoming like a coin operated lead machine? Uh, if I have to put a phrase around it. And, and that led me to a discovery of like, what else is possible? And then um, really enjoyed uh, meeting my two co-founders and we started Terminus and it has been a complete blast since then. So ended up writing uh, two books. My second book is coming on September 3rd. So it's, it's kind of really fun. And really the topic is now that to me, what I've learned is Amir, that ABM actually is B2B. It's how businesses were supposed to be. Uh -huh. so, so we can talk more about that, but that's my quick story. No, I'm a big fan of the story and you flipped my funnel. So you have a, you have a podcast, right? That you, that you have and, and you're helping people every day. 
Yeah, um, it's a daily podcast, believe it or not. It's a daily podcast. Yeah, I've been listening to it. It's been some good, some good nuggets in there. I've also just let you know I've gone through the journey of um, being a B2B direct salesperson, right? Never given leads, picking up the phones, making emails, now fully understanding marketing and how it's really becoming one world, right? Yes, one team. Um, I call it one team. It has to be that way. One team, one world, and, and uh, you know, it's like an off-topic thing. I, I see always the trend of VPs of sales going down for the tenure from 24 months, 18 months. And like for me, for me, after going through that journey, I'm like, it's because of digital marketing. They don't know digital marketing, right? Can somebody teach them digital marketing, right? And that's kind of where we have these chief revenue officers now where they're supposed to be right. that, that hybrid, right, of the two. Um, I still don't like it. So it, his, uh, it, what's interesting about that comment is I recently learned that chief marketing officer wasn't really a role like until 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, if you really think about that, I thought like, hey, CMOs always existed, but no, no, no. It was always the chief sales officer and there was some VP of marketing or director of marketing reported into sales. And that essentially meant like that person was acting as a chief revenue officer. Yeah. In many ways. So it's really phenomenal for me to just, it, it blew my mind. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is less than 20 years kind of journey for most people. Yeah, and now there's a new. There, there's now there's VPs of demand gen, right? I think I think it's sprouting out, sprouting so out. This, this is one 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 thing that you would like, and you probably heard me say this, um, and this would be like a jumping off point on a couple of things that you want to talk about, which is I painstakingly realized this, although I when I shared that story, but like really painstakingly, I shared as a started terminus and really learned about this is that in the income statement, your financial statement, sales and marketing is one number. It's called the sales and marketing ratio. And the reason you would never see a marketing budget go up when sales numbers are going down is because they're tied to the hip. You, yeah. you can't put more money into to marketing if the revenue is going down. So uh, in a book, like one of the things I talk about, and I got a lot of, a lot of flack around that, but that's, that's okay because I think it's the truth that the value of marketing is defined by sales, period. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with that. Um, I, th I think they're connected. I, I, I think that marketing budget can't go up unless sales goes up. Um, and I think that uh, we're going to see them coming closer together. Um, yeah. In fact, you know, yeah. I think I, I was actually just at a, uh, an SDR a boot camp that I, I helped uh, a partner of ours scale that with. And, and it was mm -hmm. a, it, it had the head of marketing and the marketing director in the SDR boot camp, And it was the first time, you know, seeing organizations bring everybody in from the yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, th I think that, uh, I think they're, they're tied to the hip and I think yeah. they're closer if anything. It, it, was, it was incredible for me to watch like how many companies don't do it. And I think a lot of the companies have trouble because their metrics are different. I've, I've seen that was well, marketing. Your metrics are getting more leads. Uh, going back to our co earlier conversations, yeah. uh, you know, I was working on leads and as long as I meet my lead quota, I'm fine. And sales is like, well, you're not giving me the lead in the account I care about. Like, give me the lead in the account. I, I, leads are not good at all if it's not from the account I care about because that's how I'm going to meet my quota. And if you don't give me that, then I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. Right. So, and I think marketing have very little, like I think most marketers that I have seen have very little empathy around understanding that their job depends on making sure they close deals this month. And it is such an important part of it, which is why I think that our job as marketers, quite honestly, is to either incrementally or exponentially grow sales 
Otherwise, we, we shouldn't be in that job at all. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's why I'm like, very few companies have an SLA between marketing and sales, right? How often do you see that? You know, well, I would even challenge that because I would say if there are SLAs, that means something is dramatically broken in your organization, right? Well, yeah, well, broken or not put together to begin with. Exactly, right? I mean, I look at rules. I mean, as we were talking before we started record, I got two kids. And, you know, when I talk to my son, he's nine. And, you know, it's, it's, I've seen this happen over and over again, where I would say, all right, you know, we're not going to do this. And he would, he would say, say why? And then, you know, we would get into an argument and defend all this stuff. And the more and more I've realized that it, it actually, if I put more rules, he will find another loophole in that rule and yeah. around and it, it's just not a healthy thing. So we started to have create more of like honor and grace system is like, Hey, look, we need to make sure that we honor each other. And the grace is so when I say you need to do this, I expect you to do this. And that's my expectation from you. And for whatever reason, if you don't feel that's right, let's have a conversation right now about that, not after the fact. So I feel SLAs are the same thing. It, it shows to me when companies have too many SLAs that, hey, if you don't follow up, we'll send it to your director. Next day, we'll send it to your VP. You know what? The salesperson is going to go around and just click on certain things and move on. That's well, so, something to add to that, though. What do you think about an SLA as a form of training an SDR, right? Like, like kind of like, hey, I'm training you on how important yeah. it is now, right? Yeah, I, I think it's like I see it like that. Not trust. Yeah, like a training tool. It's like it's like a life track. We'll take this off, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like we're we're paying for these leads. You gotta you gotta follow up with them. We're gonna get yeah. deep. We're gonna get really deep into that because it is it's a it's a it's a touching point for me because I've I've literally have seen the stats of follow ups and, and we'll get into that before before we jump into that for the listeners here. Tell us a little bit about terminus. You know, I, I want to give you. Can I give you my elevator pitch of Terminus? For what yeah, I, go for I it. I, love, I was going to ask you that. Please do. I want to give you my elevator pitch. So, so yeah. from my understanding, Terminus is an account-based marketing technology that allows leaders to upload what their ideal customer profile or personas would look like, right? You potentially have arrangements with third-party companies like Forbes or um, other websites have certain traffic or trust, right? And you're displaying advertisements on behalf of clients said prospect in that lead fills out that advertisement and it gets passed off to the team as a lead, an account-based marketing lead because we're putting rules and saying, I'm not accepting any secretaries. I'm not accepting any companies that are 200 below. So this allows us to get those leads that you just mentioned our salespeople want within our target accounts. Did I get it right? Was I close? Almost there. Almost okay. there. All right. Well, that was really good. I actually have you come and share that with our sales team. I think they'll really appreciate that. That was, <laughs> that was really well, well put. Well put. So I couple yeah, you get a pass. Uh, two, so a couple of things. One is we have seen that by the time you get to a lead, it's actually game over in many organizations. So tell, us, what, more, tell us more. Tell us more. Yeah, right. Like so, for example, if person has gone, people don't go through this as you and I know through this linear process of discovery and and figuring out who they're going to buy, and then they wait for another nurture email three weeks later that you have to. No, no, no. Like, for example, when I started writing the book, I went from, oh, shoot, I need a publisher slash like editor like this week. I went from not knowing I had that problem on a Monday but to Wednesday having three interviews done with three different publishers and, a, and, and two writers and saying, I'm going to hire that because we got to move fast. So if somebody had me in their nurture program for six months, they had lost me. Gone. Right. So, so the whole point, I, I feel the way we terminus thinks about this is that we need to be proactive. 
So if anybody is in your target account list today, and, and we're running ads and stuff, which is what you shared we do uh, with them, as, as long as you tell us who these accounts are and who these people like roles are, we will run their ads. And as soon as they start visiting your website, we are proact they don't have to fill a form at all. They have, we will proactively tell your sales team, hey, um, you, one of your target accounts, let's say Cope, uh, and there are folks in the marketing department, let's say that's who you were targeting, they are spending time on your website. You might want to prioritize your sales calls to that account. Now, you and I know there's enough technologies out there to figure out the name, email address, phone number, and all that stuff. So there's no lead reason. What people need to know is that how do I get in the game earlier and higher in the process when they're thinking about it, as opposed to waiting for me to have a lead. And I think when you, by the time you get a lead, I really think a lot of times the game is over. They're only looking at you because they need three different companies in for their procurement to make sure that they have right bids. Otherwise, they don't need you. So you guys drop like a cookie or some kind of code on yeah. a website, right? And then you track that visit and then boom, it's alert. It's an alert, right? We, so at Parlot, when I was in marketing automation, was yeah. read alerts that made sense because somebody was filling up a form. When was the last time you actually filled up a form uh, to, to figure things out? I feel like forms only to test people's, you know, Exactly. That's it. Yeah, we do. We do. Like, uh, I do. Or I would put a fake phone number, and somebody poor in Ohio probably gets that phone call all the time because yeah, I don't yeah. have to call me, right? So all that stuff is people are trying to find loopholes around it. So if it's the right account, it, it's like you know you're, you're going. If you are, if somebody's knocking on your door, you, are you going to go and essentially figure out the whole qualification process? Are you going to like, you know, look, look at them and check out and then open the door for them, right? You're not going to wait around to figure it out. So it's the same exact thing. Let's be proactive around who these people are. And if you know the list of people that are coming to your website, and if they do come to your website, don't take them to the ringer of MQL and SQL. Why create the, the whole qualification process, in my view, was created was because we didn't know who the heck is coming to your front door. Yeah, so yeah. You have to qualify, you have to figure out. Yeah, identify them. Yeah. Now, if you know who is coming after because who you're targeting, and if they come to your website, that's like your front door. You're expecting dinners at, at guests at your dinner. And if they show up, like, you're not going to call them, are you the right person? No, you are the no. right person. We invited you. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, that's what, that's what we built. We built CloudCast all in outbound, right? So I think yeah. they, we didn't even know they were coming to our site. So for me, yeah. having the right people come to your site and calling them at the right time or social selling on the channel makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that, that I mean, so that's part of it. That's uh, just to finish that service. So that's part of what Terminus does is proactively helping salespeople figure out which accounts to go after based on the target list, which is where you were going. And the second is year and a half ago, we acquired a company called Bright Funnel based out of San Francisco, because one of the number one questions people asked us was, Hey, look, um, thank you for getting our message in front of the right accounts. Thank you for bringing them. But I want to show results to our C-level executives and all these metrics that Salesforce and all the marketing automation platforms and everything is all lead based. We want to show account level. Like, you know, if I want to show, Hey, as we started advertising direct mail and a joint sales and marketing programs with these accounts, we're seeing more traffic from all of these people. So at the account level, and there wasn't anything uh, out there that did that. So we've acquired right funnel. And now we have this early part, which is helping marketers do marketing. Uh -huh. to, with this advertising and then measure through ABM scorecard, which is a very different lens than a lead based scorecard. That makes a lot like they say, what, seven people are in, in active in today's yeah. buyer cycle minimum. 
Yeah, and they don't, and, and a lot of times salespeople don't even know who these people are. So imagine if marketing can help salespeople by showing, oh, by the way, you're talking to Bob, but see Sally, June, and Ali, they are all spending time on our website. I mean, that's like home run for them. And half the time, the people don't even know they're part of the decision process these days, right? And tell them, what is your opinion about this? You're about to make a big decision, right? It's, yeah. it's people don't realize the uh, buying influence they have. Like my team, you know, I used to evaluate software where we're a 10, 20 person company. Now I'm forwarding emails to people and it's they don't realize the power they have to buy software these days yes i think the teams don't know that they, they can make decisions so yeah. you're basically the best friend of an sdr outbound team or i mean i tell you, man, I, you. I think our job is that's why i keep saying that's the number one truth that i, I said and i get a lot of flack from market i think marketers think i hate them and i'm like no i don't hate i'm a marketer at art nope. i love marketing but we don't exist we without sales being successful and you're like the air force for the marines that's gotta face it that's what yeah. it is right yeah it totally is so so i think you're starting to i think the, the i think it's going to take a long time but overall organizations and and topo and sales decisions and all of them are like over and over creating these reports and hopefully people read them is that they're showing that companies where the metrics the kpis align for sales and marketing they are seeing phenomenal success but they're not bickering around give me the lead, give me the MQL, give me the SQL, create an SLA. They're actually saying, what happened with these 10 accounts? Why don't we have engagement in these 10 accounts? What can we do? Oh, marketing, uh, maybe, maybe we could, they're all in Boston. Let's just create an event in Boston. Oh, or maybe they're all in the same industry. Let's create a quick one pager for that industry to send to. So it's the marketing does, most companies, and I think you, you, you probably know this, and, and also have seen this many times is, Marketing walks in by saying, we're gonna create three blogs, two eBooks, three webinars a quarter, and we're gonna hit do content syndication, and that's our marketing plan, right? And do press releases. Yeah, they still work in like 2014, maybe. Yeah, right, and it, even today, even today, this is, this is what the, I, I mean, I'm- they're right now, they're running the same playbook. Same playbook, right? Because yeah. that, that's how they know that they're activity-based, as opposed to a, Modern market, I would say the, the ABM is B2B sort of marketer would come in and say, all right, we have these many of options that we can do. We can do all of this, but we're not going to do any of this if it doesn't make sense to you. So let's figure out who are the top 100 accounts that we as an organization want to close this quarter. And let's figure out what are the commonalities of region, financial sector, industry, or like, you know, roles and start creating content and then start figuring out, oh, let's apply event to this side of this tier of our future customers or to this one, let's just create a webinar specifically. So, so I think it's a game changing revolutionary thing to be yeah. so specific. Yeah, and I also think, like, first of all, it's amazing. Like, what, what, companies that have marketing and sales aligned like that and are talking, it's fun. It's fun yeah. to be in those conversations. Oh. It's fun to be in those meetings. And like they're, they can help each other. It's like, it's like you're taking two people in the same company who've never talked to each other. And they're like, wait a second, you know, my job performance is kind of, is tied to your performance. Like they don't even realize it, right? They don't know. Um, I hope we see a lot more marketing channels in, in, uh, in Slack. I think that's the, the number one channel I want to see popping up where people, I was actually at a company where I influenced this marketing channel and all of a sudden oh, they're, they're dropping, you know, sales is dropping emails they're writing marketing is like this is a great subject line and these conversations are happening um but you know back to like the content you were just talking about what i'm seeing is that people almost they don't now they want to see third-party content right i think the days of like everyone can make their own blog and make their own stats and i think what's really powerful or it's going to become more powerful in account-based marketing and account-based sales is 
the sharing of other people's content, right? Like I can take one of your amazing LinkedIn live posts where you talk about account-based marketing and I can literally share your, your comments yeah. with someone in my account-based marketing and I have a better chance of getting an engagement and conversation over that, you know, and then I could say, you know, great, you probably have something similar. Let's talk about inbound sales and managing your team versus sharing a cloud task document, right? And I think, yeah. I think those are like the future tools, right? Like learning how to find reputable partners and competitors and people that are in your space and sharing their data. Because yeah. for some reason, there's something authentic about that, right? Well, I'll give you a great <laughs> example of what happened that I was blown away. So um, I'm at B2BS, B2BMX in Arizona last year. This is last year's story. And uh, the sales rep from uh, another company, and he just moved on, so I'm not going to show that company right now. But he, he came to me and said, thank you so much. You helped me meet my quota. I'm like, my own sales team never says that to me. Yeah. Like, I'm helping you and another company meet your quota. It makes no sense. So he says, here's what I did. I posted on LinkedIn, like, hey, that direct mail is back and, you know, direct mail is the new black and here are the three or four ways to do direct mail and what are your best direct mail things that you got or that you care about. And I think there were like 150 comments or something like that. So what this sales rep, this is anybody in sales, if they're listening to this, this is what they should really do and they can really, it's a phenomenal what he did. He looked at those 150 comments. He essentially made sure he has a list of all of it, created a spreadsheet of all of it. And then he reached out to them individually based on their comment on, and this was a company, he was a direct mail company. Yeah. So he sent them something personalized with their comment to them in next day or next that week. And they were blown away with that level of engagement and like immediacy. And they said, okay, yeah, let's hop on a call. And he ended up closing some of these, some of them in trials, some of them in pipelines. So he ended up closing certain deals. And that order, he actually made his quota because of that one LinkedIn post that was purely just like me yeah. sharing something. And he took full advantage of it the best way possible. I'm so glad. And his, his comment, his comments he received were the same thing as a visitor visiting a website. If you think oh, about 100%. it. Same thing. Uh -huh. You visit More your website. Better time to reach out to them. They, they comment on your post. Great time to reach out to them. It's like it's people don't realize that their LinkedIn profile is a mini website of yeah. who you are and who you're helping. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if uh, like since I've been posting on LinkedIn for for almost a year now, almost every day, I I I wonder what your thoughts are on it is like it's you know, should I even I'm I'm just wondering that should I even ever create a blog again? Like I've been no. like wondering about that and I mean, I understand that I'm renting space on LinkedIn. Tomorrow, LinkedIn is working now. It may not work tomorrow for me because of their LinkedIn algorithm and they may do other stuff that makes me pay. And right now it's all organic. It's awesome. But like it's, it, just, it has been- uh, I, think, I think a blog should be good maybe for stats where people are researching something, right? And like yeah. copy pasting an infographic. But in reality, the short, the short form content is amazing. Um, I'll tell you something that I personally like because I, I, I'm a consumer of, of yeah. content. And I think you're doing something now where it's like- uh, it's like in the office Fridays or something like that. Yeah, yeah every, 2 p.m. every Friday we do office hours. Yeah, and it's, it's um, I got to tell you, like it's very real and natural and, and very comfortable. It, it, it creates an atmosphere where you're very comfortable to reach out to you, right? Like, like yeah. I'm not reaching out because I'm busy with a million things, but I'm, I'm seeing, I'm like tempted to. If I have the bandwidth, yeah. I'd be engaging. So I, yeah. think, I think the short for, uh, I think the video, the short-term content is, is amazing and it's, it's really engaging and it's getting in front of people's eyes. I'm telling you, like I'm, you know, I'm yeah. seeing it, right? 
and I'm liking it and I'm commenting it and it opens up to my network. And I think what's one of the, one of the nicest things that's happening, I think in uh, 2019 is I've made a lot of friendships off social media with, mm -hmm. with colleagues in the same industry. I can name like 20 or 30 people where I'll go. I live in Columbia. I live in a different country. Yeah. I go to San Francisco I'll go, and I'll meet people and it's all through social media. And it's a time where what I've noticed is that people are shouting each other out. If that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like people are becoming friends where, you know, the competitors are no longer competitors. People have become colleagues. Um, and I think it's, you know, will it change? Sure. It'll change, but you're going to be one step ahead of that. I know you're, yeah. I know you're working on, on something, right? Um, well, I mean, what's, what you said is so much power. I hope people tune into what you just said. I think at the end of the day, the thing that will never change for anybody. And, and I think you probably heard me say that on the, on the podcast is that without a community, we're all simply a commodity. Oh yeah. Right. So I feel like what you are doing right now and what I'm trying to do right now, and I think what people crave for, for a lot of time is to just have that community of few people that they can engage, react and connect with at, at just a, as if they were like sitting next to each other. Right. And, and this, that, that's what this technology can help you do if you really choose to do it. People use it for all kinds of crazy stuff. It's amazing. But the relationship building, you can't put a price on it. You can't. And I, and I think that Facebook is becoming, um, it's coming back for business. Is it? Ben, a, I haven't been on say, Facebook for the last three and a half years. Okay, so it is. I, I've, I completely unfriended and changed the following of 10 years ago, and I started adding you know, industry leaders, thought leaders, but there's groups. So there's a group called SaaS Growth Hackers. It's got about 13,000 CEOs um, of SaaS mm -hmm. companies. And <clears throat> where LinkedIn, I think, dropped the ball with groups, now they're trying to bring them back, Facebook yeah. jumped in. And I think because of the fact that Facebook Messenger is so um, prevalent, it makes it really easy for people to message people. And it, there came a point where, I was getting messages. So I'm very polite to salespeople, not on the phone, but over messaging. Um, and, I, and I got some inbound messages and I was like, oh, you know, this is something I don't deal with. Pass it over to XYZ. And then I looked at the profile and it was like a CEO of a big company on Facebook. And I was like, I need to like really research this. So, you know, like it, it's, it, it's, it's another channel. Um, but I think that our, our viewers, our, our, our buyers, our personas are living on Facebook and it's also mm -hmm. making it um, a nice area to, interact it's all connected right facebook linkedin instagram they're, yeah. they're kind of all connected but putting content in this even in different areas is great like i can go into a marketing group of facebook and say hey has anybody heard terminus what do you guys think and people will just engage they'll talk about yeah. it talk about like real-time g2 crowd kind of yeah. reviews wow um but yeah i think i think facebook's kind of back i want to get you back on that if you can if you all can. right i mean my it's, goal I, right I, now is to get you back on facebook and for you to be like <laughs> here i've helped a lot of people on facebook with my stuff yeah, I mean, that, that'd be interesting because I literally started a group because I was missing the group interaction on yeah. LinkedIn. I, I had this ongoing engagement, as you know, but not a group. So literally two weeks ago, we started this flip off on a LinkedIn group. And it, I mean, I love if you're not in that to join. I'm going to join. Like 500 people. And I still don't know if I know how to engage a group. Like, I, I feel like I'm like throwing this at them and, and, you know, seeing if people engage. But I don't think people on LinkedIn are... Facebook's like, where it's happening. Yeah, so I think yeah. so. Maybe I should go check out to learn at, at a minimum. I'm gonna add you on Facebook, and then I'm gonna invite yeah. you to SaaS Growth Hackers. This is that one group that you need, and you'll be shocked. I'm like, people are probably talking about Terminus every day. Yeah, I would be. I, I would. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and it's just a place for you to be human, and engage, and talk to people, and it's it's been doing 
good stuff for our business and for our partners. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I want to get you in there. But it's all, it's all coming down to what you're saying where people just don't want to go through that normal process anymore. You know, they want information now. Um, yeah. And I know that's you guys do. I, I think you guys are fans of Drift. I think you've been speaking at some of this conference. So it's yeah. all, you know, that's, you're telling someone when they're on their site and then Drift, you can talk to them at the same time, right? And it's all. It's removing barriers at the end of the day. And, and uh, again, all of that is only makes sense if you know who you're going after. So my biggest thing that, that I felt that I was shocked myself, uh, but I, I still continue to be shocked. And I feel like if you ask people, I think you will be shocked how many people don't know this, but if you ask, what is your total addressable market look like? Right. Oh, no. No, no, like 99% of the people have no idea. And that's why people ask like, hey, can you get 10,000 more leads? Well, because they don't even know that there are not even 10,000 companies that we can sell to, right? So people just assume that there's this unlimited supply of leads coming from heaven somewhere. And, and it's not, it's actually, there's a limited supply. And, and honestly, if you are careful, there are only a few. If you can close 50, 100, 200 deals this month or this quarter of this year, you guys, we will make millions of dollars, right? So what if we just focused on them, right? And, and I think that people just don't know what their total addressable market is. And that's a big challenge that I ask everybody to think about. I got to be honest with you. I don't know my TAM fully. Yeah. Not only do I know my TAM, I am pretty sure that over the first three years of business, I have been selling to the wrong person and the wrong client. Well, you're learning. Yeah. I'm, I will admit that I am learning. Yes. Yeah. I, I just figured that I figured out maybe – Last month that now CFOs have a lot to say when it comes to building a nearshore model, right? Yeah, of um, course. Directors of operations. I was targeting VPs of sales, marketing leaders, leaders. Um, completely different. I, I was talking to people, convincing them why they should outsource when there are people who are out there outsourcing of four different providers and saying, what makes your culture different than my four other providers? You know, who's, yeah. who's further down that funnel? Yeah, the Vonages, the AT&T, the big companies with four. So it's like, it's interesting that uh, you're right. People don't know. Um, yeah. You can have a successful fast growing company and not know. Right? Yeah. But I think that doesn't make an excuse for not sitting down and really making sure that you're well, what, understanding what it, them. Well, when it goes really bad and wrong, and I feel a lot of organizations suffocate because of that, is it, it actually shows up in your churn and your retention. It will, you can't hide that. So oh, yeah. to the point of like successful companies, I would challenge that because if they are successful and if the successful is not based on just the top line revenue, but actually by, like there's not a single company that's doing really well, that actually doing really well and have great valuation that does not have net negative churn, right? Like they have more than hundred percent retention and, and that kind of stuff. And that only can happen if they are, they have the right companies as their customers and they know how to service them. If you have the wrong company coming in, you're gonna see that problem. You'll have high growth in the early years, and, and slowly, the, the gap between because your retention and churn would kind of start catching up, all of a sudden your growth will start becoming less and less, and I've seen that happen more companies. Oh, and, than, and, and churn has a really has a negative effect, right? I'm like, it demotivates people. Like, right? mm -hmm. like we, we work with millennials that care more about the product and the service you're selling and who you're helping than they do bottom line. So, yeah, you know, choosing the, the wrong TAM. Yeah, so I, you know, I think I made that comment speaking of the lens of a bootstrapped founder, yeah. right? Or it's yes. like, we're definitely positive, right? Yeah. You know, but you're right. If you, if you have the planning, you have the funding, you know, these things, these things definitely matter. And back to, you know, back to Terminus, it helps with that because if you understand who your cam is, yeah. you're literally targeting your, your targeted marketing, right? 
Everything That's else, what we do in marketing right now, doesn't even matter if it's not the right company. It yeah. really doesn't. So we, and then we would say no to companies and customers who want to be our customers because, hey, Avian is hot. We want to be part of it. You guys are the leaders. You want to be, we would essentially say, okay, uh, how many companies do you want to target? And they say 10,000. And we're like, uh, we're not ready for One this. One of those, yeah. Yeah, right? So we have to tell them you're not ready for this. And they get like really, what? Like we're paying you money. I'm like, no, we don't want you, but because we want you to be successful. And the way to be successful is actually to get to your point where you have tiers, you have segments, you have understanding of who you're going after. And then we can do a bang up job of helping you get in front of them. If you say, get my ads in front of 10,000 accounts and all of those messages, but, but I'm going to pay only hundred dollars per like, you know, the mathematics, everything doesn't work for you and it's not going to drive revenue. So you're not going to be successful. We don't want that. And we have been burned that way. So, so we say no to a lot more customers than yes. It's it's an irony, right? I think I think even I speak about a lot about like my journey, um, but you 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 don't realize how much long term profit you're giving up by taking the wrong customer, right? Because it's like it's like that short fix. It's like it's like I I'm getting forty grand into the bank account, but you don't realize that your time could have been much better suited getting the right client that grows and then spreads your name. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a hard concept, right? At that same time where like you're, you're, you know, you speak to your advisors and there was like, what are they going to tell a, a young CEO there? Raise your price, right? Cause you're yeah. always pricing your service too cheap. And you're like, yeah. no, I'll raise my price when I cash up, I'll raise my price. And then you raise your price and you're like, wait a second, that person didn't complain. They got what they wanted. Yeah. They're happy. My person's yeah. here and everybody's unhappy churning. And it's, it's a, it's, it's, but it comes back to your TAM, right? I think, I think, Knowing your TAM is step one, and or not knowing, being on a journey to find out who your TAM is, right? It's a yes. journey, right? Yes. It's a journey, and it's okay to not know. It's okay to figure it out, but it's not okay to be in denial uh, because it's going to catch up to you. And by the time it catches up to you, you have burned more money than your acquisition cost because now you have onboarding cost, now you have servicing cost, now you have engineering debt cost because oh, they're yeah. going to for the wrong features that you don't want to develop for the right customers. So if you really look at the complexity of what you're, you're really unpacking there, it, 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 it's a cluster. So you don't want to get into that. So I think we, we look at it, you said it really well, we look at short-term gains a lot of times and then forget the long-term. And it's hard because in that moment, a new revenue come in and seems like ka-ching, that's yeah. awesome. But it, you know, we don't, I'm starting to realize the hard way and as a company, uh, the founder is like, no, there are so many little things. And if you add that up, that is going to be a lot more money than what we would have gotten in that first deal. It, it's way more important to, to make sure that you have the right one. I feel like we just uncovered something. I, I, I would bet to say that a lot of sales and marketing um, teams that, that do unite and have meetings, daily discussions, weekly sessions, probably aren't talking about TAM, right? And, and, and they probably talked about TAM from a sense of like, the product and sales were like, you know, we're finding out who would help. Like, it would probably smoothen out the whole transition. They're probably not talking about that. They're talking about leads and conversions, but they're probably not stopping and saying, well, are we targeting the right people? Cause yeah. I think it's, I think it feels uncomfortable for people, salespeople to even bring that up and say, Hey, um, Mr. VP sales, I don't think this list is the right, I don't, I don't think we're targeting the right people. Right. They're, they're, they're just kind of saying in their lanes, but I think, I think now is a time for people to have a voice. Right. I think the team that's, so we call it a lot of times the go-to-market teams and the go-to-market team initially was always a sales team. Then I think as we expand it's marketing and sales team because marketing give you the data and intel and insights so that we can make that smart decision around what's working, what's not. But then 
the real team that needs to be added, the trio, the trilogy, there is marketing, sales, and customer success. Yeah. Because the customer success team will tell you the other part of it is like, hey, you know what? Those accounts you've been sending, sales and marketing, you guys think it's great, you're selling it, we can service them. So we we have this weekly meeting, we call this marketing meeting, so we do have that. Uh, every Monday at 11 o'clock, I missed today's because I'm here, um, but 11 o'clock every Monday, uh, sorry, noon, every Monday we have a marketing meeting, sales and marketing, but a lot of times we'll have customer success, and every time we're changing our positioning, our uh, the market we are going after or the vertical we are trying to target, CS, our customer success leaders are always there because they know better than we. That makes a lot of sense. I, I started actually bringing on our customer success um, on the final calls on the sales side because I literally want them to set the right expectations and it's been a smoother transition where they're like, this is realistic. This is what we're going to achieve. You want 20 meetings on the outbound program? I'm too, not going to happen. We'll get right. five and you'll be, and that's good numbers, you know, and, and it's been a good balance. And it, it, I think companies are trying to figure out how to get CX more involved. Um, it's hard that that business never had funding. It yeah. really an orphan department a lot of times. It's like a, uh, that's like the last thing. You don't hit a gong when you save a customer. Uh, you do it when you do it for sales. Yeah. You don't have budget like marketing does. So in a way, CS is like the step kid that you know you never really took under your wing. And I think it's starting to change. Oh, he's coming out on the spotlight now, for sure, yeah. 100%. So, so back to like one important topic, this is how we started on LinkedIn. You were talking about getting the right leads, the right salespeople, and I was kind of like, Salespeople aren't following up enough with those leads, right? So I, I think the conversation I like to have with you is, you know, what do you think is the right amount of follow-up uh, touch point time and channel? And do you see any trends where potentially customers or partners of yours might say, you know, I'm not doing well with this data and you really kind of peel the onion and you're like, hey, you're following up once or twice and that's kind of why. Uh, do you think that's an issue? I've not seen it. I've seen deals, I mean, I'm sure you have, that yeah. are closed within like three weeks. Yeah. And then there are deals that take like three months and six months. And it's really hard to figure those kind of variables in the company of so why did they convert faster? I think what I have seen that is a constant regardless of all of this is that is that if their engagement level on your website starts going up, there is a clear sign. And, and, then, and if you are jumping on it at, the, at that time, your chances of winning are way higher because you're getting there early and higher. So I think it really goes back to the early, very early conversation we had was how can we make our sales team prioritize the accounts they need to be spending time on, period. Every salesperson nowadays have like, you know, I don't know how many your sales team has, but a lot of time, 100, 200, 300, 400 accounts. They have no idea how to prioritize. If you ask a salesperson, what are you going to do Monday morning when you come in? Well, I have my routine of doing X, Y, and Z things, but no, no, which accounts are you really going to go after? Many times they have no idea. They're just going to figure it out and they have somewhat of a list in their mind, but they really don't know which lead, which account is hot and which account is not. So I think it really comes down to what I've seen. The real pattern is if you can help somehow in any way, you, doesn't, you don't have to use Thomas. You can, you can do through Google Analytics. You can do this if you really pay enough attention to all the different elements in Salesforce and marketing automation and all these different things. If you look at and help sales team and figure out a way to prioritize X number of accounts for them every day so that they know they need to focus on them, that increases the ability to win rate 
so much more higher than anything else. Like all those things are like up to a sales. Like there are reps that I know who, uh, who, are, who don't follow up at all. They are, they're all about text and conversation and, and, and they close deals sometimes faster than someone who is like sending them multiple emails. So I don't know. I, I think it's a very stylish thing of yeah. other people, how people do. But it's really the, the matter is, are you getting in front of them when they are hot and they want to get some, something out of you? And if you're not there, then the game over. Uh, makes a lot of sense. So we, we've seen that countries that succeed act like that. We've seen that some organizations that get leads, traditional leads, right? Not like signals on your site, like an MQL or an ebook or, you know, download now kind of follow up once or twice, but that's not, that's not luckily spread. Um, you know, we've seen it on occasion. Um, but I, it brings me back to the topic now of, you know, do you think that this is, this is like a tough topic because like you don't want to offend yeah. anybody. I'm an accounting executive, right? I was an AE. Like I would want to work for the best company that I can make top dollar, right? But what I'm learning is that when companies are investing so much money in marketing, intent data, um, account-based work, do you think the compensation model for AEs is, AEs is correct uh, or should companies adjust that to reinvest into the account-based marketing and sales and technologies? Uh-huh. Tough question, right? That's a great. Oh, well, no, I mean, it's funny. A few days ago, I did put out because there's no, that is, and I, a lot of people liked it because they want to hear more about it, but yeah. I didn't have anything else to share because I asked, what does the compensation model look like in an account-based world? And everybody's like, hey, I want to know, I want to know. And there's like not many companies know commented on the details around it. So that was a telltale. Two things. Number one, you said your title was an account executive, not a lead executive. Mm -hmm. And that is the point of account-based is for marketers to know that the sales team that you support, their title is account. So you need, that's why account-based marketing is such a big, so if somebody's still wondering, oh, is account-based marketing just a new, no, no, no. It is really the vocabulary, the words matter. And because sales team is focused on accounts, that's in their title, work on their accounts and you will create that alignment and relationships. That's just one, just because you said that, it just made me think about it. And number two, I think from a compensation perspective, if you align the KPIs on the marketing and sales side, which is like marketing, you make your bonus only when sales hits this goal, and that's pretty much it. Um, I don't know what the variables, other variables could be, what percentage, that's up to the organization. But if, if you do just that one thing, one thing alone, everything changes. Everything changes downstream. You don't have to tell them to put SLAs. You don't have to tell them to meet three times a week. You don't have to create this alignment meetings. They're aligned, they're compens- Money speaks. If you align their metrics, KPIs, people are going to be aligned no matter what. I, I, I need to pick your brain some more. Uh, this, is, this, has been, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm sure I'm going to see more of your keynotes and watch your live chats and just become, you know, continue on this journey. Um, but yeah, for, for everybody listening, you know, can it, can it connect you to Facebook now? Or are you going back to Facebook? <laughs> it's not, well, like, Facebook, I, I still need to take some notes from you because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I'm, 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 as much as I'm on LinkedIn, I feel... I've been very consistent about just one channel. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat. I'm not on Twitter as much. Well, Snapchat, let's just forget about that. Let's, let's... Right, right. So I don't want, I feel like consistency creates massive impact. So yeah. if I do go back, then I want to be consistent. So you'll have to teach me a little bit about it. But for now, people can totally catch me up on LinkedIn uh, doing all these things that you talked about. Yeah, this, is, this has been really exciting. Um, we're going to catch back up and then I'll, uh, I'll uh, let everybody know where to find you and we'll, we'll talk soon, man. Thanks. Thank you so much. See ya.